It is great to be back here together. I think it's been two weeks since we've been here at this location. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a, a great congregational services. And for those that do, do not know, we have three different regions within of our, our church that range from anywhere from 300 to 500 members. So we had about 1,500, 1,600 of us at the Urban Convention Center two weeks ago worshiping God. And then last week, we had a sweet time as well with our region, which we have three services within our region here on the east side of Dallas. We had a great time of worship in Fairview, where we was able to praise God, where we had the, the gospel choir up singing as well, which was awesome. And as we closed out our Simplify series, where we were really learning how to simplify life, because life is complicated, right? Life can be very complicated, even with the holiday coming up. We got Independence Day that we are celebrating here July 4th, and sometimes even that can be complicated, can it? What am I going to cook? Am I going to barbecue? Or am I going to smoke the food? Am I going to eat out? Am I going to just eat sandwiches? All these different things can complicate our life. But over the last two months, we've learned if we start with being fulfilled in Christ, that's going to trickle over in all the other complicated parts of our life. We also learn if we can be organized in Christ. Hopefully some of you guys have a calendar that you use now to organize your week, be it a paper calendar or one that's in your phone, because life can move very quickly. But as we, we're not going to stop simplifying life just because we finished the series. Amen. Amen. We're not going to go like, okay, well, now I can go back and be complicated again. Hopefully that's not what we want. But as we get ready, as my wife had mentioned, we're having a great opportunity to be able to meet together as a region for these next six weeks. And we're going to focus on a, on a series that will help us dive deeper in our relationship with God, a digging deeper series. And as we get ready to answer questions like, who is God? And why do I need a relationship with God? And how do I maintain a relationship with God? I thought it'd be very, very timely for us to focus on making room for God, which is gonna be the title of the lesson for this morning. But as we get ready to jump into the scriptures, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this afternoon, I just thank you for allowing us a time where we can come and worship you. We have many opportunities to worship on our own with just, just you, you and us, or you and me. But it's good to be able to worship and be come together in unity and in peace with the body. I thank you for the friends and family that are out here this afternoon worshiping because you deserve everything that we have and everything that we frankly don't have as well. I thank you for this opportunity to really get our minds set as we dig deeper in our relationship with you that we make room for you. Make room in our life. Make room in our schedule. Make room in our decisions. Because, God, you deserve it. And you call us 
to be that way. I thank you for giving us another opportunity to get into your word and to be able to do it together so that we can keep each other accountable. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Making room for God. In Luke chapter 22, verse 8, it says, go and make preparations. Right before Jesus died, he told the disciples that it would be a room in the city of a God that they did not know that was prepared for him to take the last Passover meal, to frankly have the last communion with the disciples before he went to the cross. And he told the disciples to go and make preparations. When it comes to making room for things, as you think about your room right now, think about how you left your room when you came to church. How many of you guys have a clean room? We got, we got a few of you guys. All right. We got a few. I guess those are the people who arrived early. Y'all got it done beforehand. But sometimes it's difficult for us to keep our rooms clean, right? I know for us, we tell our kids to clean their room all the time. But then we have to keep our door shut sometimes, right? Because we don't want them to see what's happening. The, the tornadoes that happen inside homes at times. But recently, uh, my wife and I, I guess it's been a couple months ago, we, we had the notion to clean out our garage. And for many Americans, garages are not for parking your cars. It's for just storing stuff in unique, different ways. But we decided, we were like, man, we, we need to be organized. Because when we go into the garage, we want to be able to find what we're looking for. When I say I need to go in there and find my tools, because it's that blue moon when I'm working on the house, I need to be able to find the tools. When I need to get to the lawnmower, I need to get to the lawnmower. So we had the notion to start cleaning out the garage. And when we cleaned it out, it was a lot of different things that we threw away. We noticed that it's a lot of things in here that we no longer need. And then there was other things that we just needed to organize so that we know where they're at. We finished that was two or three months ago. I guess the garage is back dirty again, so we have to go back and do it again. But that's not my point. My point is spiritually, we have that same, those same things we need to do. There's things in our life we just need to flat out get rid of. We need to throw in the trash, that we need to not see it again. But there's other things in our lives we just need to organize. We need to organize like Preston was sharing, and, and thank you for sharing, Preston, how it's tough to organize a schedule in a way to get his time in with God. That's not something you throw away, right? That's something that we have to prioritize and find a way to prioritize. But my question for us this afternoon is do we still have room in our life for God? Do we still have room in our life for Jesus and in which we need to go and make preparations for him to get into our lives or play a more pivotal role in our lives? If you guys can turn with me to Luke chapter 11, this is going to be our text for the afternoon. Because I love this text because it's, it's one of those scriptures 
when you read through it, you're like, man, is this really what the spiritual warfare is all about? As Jesus was, was talking to the disciples and talking to those around him, he told them this. Here in Luke chapter 11, verse 24, you guys with me? In verse 24 of Luke 11, it says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order, which was about a third of our rooms when we just took a poll here, right? Verse 26, it says, then it goes, the demon goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In verse 28, he says, blessed rather are those that not only hear the word of God, but obey it. Jesus said here that when it comes to spiritual warfare, when a demon leaves us or we repent of a sin, we decide that we're not going to lie. We're not going to be prideful. We're not going to be angry and have fits of rage. We, have, we make that decision. That sin may leave us or that demon may leave us. But then what does Satan end up using that demon for? He comes right back to you. He comes back. He looks through the window and see, okay, what's really changed in the life of so-and-so Christian who said that I'm not going to have fits of rage anymore, but I'm going to be a man or woman of peace. That spirit comes back, sees that the house is clean in order, but it's not occupied. And that's what I want to talk about today is we make room. We're not making room for just frivolous things and hobbies. We want to make room for God, amen? Because when those spirits, when those demons in our lives when they come back to us, we want them to look through that window and see, oh, God is in there having a party. God and his angels and the disciples, they're all in there, and they're just straight having a party. And what does that demon do? He's like, okay, I know I can't take God out. I might could take Clint out, but if Clint has God by his side, I need to go to the next house, amen? But when it comes to the last part of that passage, you have this woman say, blessed, talking about Jesus, blessed is the woman who nursed and birthed you. But what did Jesus say was much more important? For us to hear and obey the word of God. And how does obedience, how does that correlate with us making room for God? Because we do have something at stake that's very powerful. And it is Satan. 
Satan is going after us. Satan is trying to get us. He's trying to, to exact spiritual warfare, warfare on us. Warfare. But here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, I'll read it to you guys. As we go into war, into battle with Satan, Paul writes to the church here, put on your full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That spiritual battle is much more, much more intense than any physical battle that we'll go through. When you think about that, do you think demons still exist? If Jesus still exists, we know demons are still out there. And you guys may know some of those demon-infested people, right? You may work with some of them. You, you may. I got one waving at me in the back. He said, hey, I'm trying to get rid of this demon. But the spiritual warfare, warfare say it right. It's real. It's not just the physical. It's not just that person. It's not just that situation. It truly is a spiritual battle that's happening for us. And what's at stake? Satan knows the value of our soul. God knows the value of our soul. But do we even know the values of our soul? Because God and Satan, they're at war right now for each and every person that is here and everyone else that isn't. They're at war because they know the value of what's inside of you, your spirit, your soul. God saw it fit to give his son so that we could know that my soul truly means something. That even though people may not treat me how I want to be treated, I may have went through trash as a, as a child or as an adult, or even right now. But God is telling you that your soul is worth it. And we also know that the enemy, he knows that your soul is worth it. Because you might even think about this week, last month, this last year, you're like, Satan has been at work trying to take me down, trying to take down my family, trying to produce situations that make me shake in my faith. And in my convictions. Why is that? Because Satan knows the value of your soul as well. He knows that the only way he can get back at God is for you to turn your back on God. So I ask the question again. Do we know the values of our own soul? The war for our soul is real and it's time if we haven't already, to open up our eyes and realize that what is at stake is something that is very, very important, that is eternal, which is our soul. Do you value your soul? Is that something that you protect through the word of God, through prayer, through fellowship, through fasting, through confession, through meditation, because our soul is worth it, amen? And our relationship with God is worth it. But the only way we truly are going to guard our soul 
is if we have the right security guards. Have any of you guys ever been security guards at, for work before? Okay, we got a few of you guys, that, the guys and gals, that's been security guards. And why is a security guard so important? Because they need to fend off or at least let the potential perpetrator know that we have some authority there. It cracks me up. We had a friend that used to work at a, a department store. And he was like, yeah, I'm a security guard for this place. I mean, I don't have a flashlight. I don't have a gun. I don't even have a nightstick. And I was like, so what are you, do that? What are you there for? I mean, what, what do you do? He's like, well, I just walk around. And if somebody look like they're stealing something, I look at them and let, I see you. <laughs> I can't do nothing. They told me, like, hey, don't do nothing about it. But just let them know that your presence is there. Some people, they're like, okay, well, if somebody watching, I need to put this blouse back. You know, I need to put these, these shoes back. But some people are so, so blatant. They see you looking, they're like, okay, if you're not going to do nothing, you must be promoting my theft. <laughs> and they continue to stuff their purse. Because as a security guard, he had no authority. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to God, they have authority, amen? They have authority to truly watch over us. Here in verse 24, back, back there in Luke chapter 11, look at verse 24 here. Look at what, what the scripture says. Actually, I want to I go up a little bit more. Look at that portion here in verse 22. I'm going to read it to you guys. Right, verse 21 of Luke chapter 11. It says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divided up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And I remember reading through this passage and I was always inclined to think that we are the strong men and Satan is the one that can bind us up, which is partly true. Satan does have plenty of power and he does reign on this earth. But truly, who's the ultimate power? It's God. And who's the strong man that boasts that, that he's the prince of peace or, or he's the prince of this world. That's Satan. So Satan is actually that strong man that Jesus will bind up one day so that he can no longer do his work. And as we think about the security guard that we want in our life, that's the security guard that I want. I want Jesus as my security guard, amen? Because Jesus, he, do, he just doesn't have a flashlight. He is the light. He comes in situations and the light shines. Right? Amen? But he doesn't stop there. He, he, he just doesn't shine light in dark situations. He has the authority to call things that are not as they are. He's the one that can take the different strongholds and vices that we have in our life, and he can overcome it. But the question always comes back to, 
Am I going to rely on my own strength? Am I just going to try harder? Am I just going to try to grit my teeth, pull up my boots, and go after spiritual matters when I'm not the spiritual authority? And that's a deep question for us. Because what's the American way? You just try harder. You just work harder. If you want that promotion, instead of working 40 hours a week, work 50 hours a week. If you still don't get it, work 60 hours a week. We become self-reliant, right? We rely on ourselves at times, but Jesus is saying that I'm the one that overcomes the evil one. I'm the one that can bring glory to your life. So what stops us? What stops us? What's, is it a sin in your life right now? Is it a vice in your life right now that you've been looking to overcome but had no success in doing so? Because I asked that question because one of the things that, that I'm a true believer of is that Christ not only washes away sins, that he can break us free from sin. Amen. That he can break us free from the different things that may have been plaguing us for our entire life. But with Christ, we can overcome it. But what does the great deceiver say? He says, hey, you're human. You're a man. You're a woman. The human way is that you'll always be a sinner. You're always going to fall. God is not going to be there for you. Sin is just part of your life. But what do scriptures tell us? Let's look at a, a few scriptures because Christ has broken us from sin. Not only did he save us from sin, but he broke us from sin. Look at these scriptures. In John 8, verse 11, Jesus told the sinful woman to leave your life of sin. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34, I'm going to put these on the screen because I'm going to fly through them here. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34, when Jesus healed someone, he says, be freed from your suffering. So be free from your suffering, leave your life of sin. So does that, is Jesus trying to tell these people that we need to go back to our old ways? No. He said, I want you to be free from your suffering, and I want you to leave your life of sin. But also in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul reminds the church that you were bought at a price. You were purchased. You were taken from captivity and put into the kingdom, amen? You were bought at a price. Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, is that the student needs to be like the teacher. We're the students. We're the students, and who are we trying to be like? Jesus. Jesus says the student can be like the teacher. In Luke chapter 7, verse 50, when the woman came and cried at Jesus' feet and then wiped up her tears off of his feet with her hair, Jesus told her to go in peace. Go in peace. Leave your life of suffering. You have been bought. Be like the teacher. Leave your life of sin. Does that sound like I need to be captive of my sin for my entire life? 
That doesn't sound like that to me. But what is Satan telling us? He's telling us something totally different. He's telling that you're going to be a slave until you die. That's the message. That's the sermon that Satan has for us. But that's just not scripture. That's just not truth. Because as we walk with Jesus, as we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is guiding us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us. The Holy Spirit is helping us that, hey, when I want to respond sarcastically, it's saying, hey, slow down, bro. Slow down, sis. I know you want to get angry because of this situation, because you have self-dignity. But remember, your dignity is in Christ now. It's not in yourself. And when we want to get angry and we want to get vengeful, we think about, wait a second, that's not the life that I was called to. That's the life that I was called from, is that life. And I've been called to a life of peace. But do we truly feel that, though? Do we truly believe that in our life is that sin, that vices, that these different things that, that truly characterize us before Jesus came and found us, do we still accept them in our life? Because we have weak moments, right? We still do have weak moments. But do we accept those moments? That's my question for us this afternoon. Do we truly have the goal is that I want to be like Jesus and I'll do anything that I want to be like Jesus? Anything that I have to do to be like Jesus. And I see, I know at least in my own life, that there's been times where I'm like, I just accept it. I accept my weakness. And I think to myself, it's like, really? Am I really going to overcome pride? Am I really going to overcome sarcasm? Am I really going to even overcome those things? But then I think about, you know, we just had our teams, they just returned from camp a week and a half ago. And I think about what happens at camp. And I think about the spirituality that happens when you have one week away from your cell phone, away from all the different vices of this world that tug at you. And teams, you, I know you guys see this, is that you see a difference of not only your own life, but the other teams that are with you when you're away from the different things that tug at you, right? And parents, if you've ever been to camp or had a child that's been to camp, or you think about singles going to conferences where you spend a weekend with disciples, where you're praising with disciples, where you're hearing lessons with other disciples, your attitude starts to change, right? You don't look at things the same way. Your fuse is not as short because you're planted in Christ and you're planted in his fellowship. My question for us is that why can't we have that every day? Why can't we have that every week? Why can't we orchestrate our life in the way where fellowship in God is priority over anything else? We may still need to go to work, but how can we infuse God even in our workplace? where we're in our word, where we're sharing God's grace with people that works with us, 
where in, especially if you work with somebody that's a disciple, you got to take advantage of that. But if you don't work with anybody that's a disciple, do what Andrew Black does. During his break, he just goes around and pray. Go around, pray, see if he meets someone looking for God to present an opportunity. Because one thing I'm a firm believer of is if we have the conviction to be like God in every aspect of our life, that we will continually make progress in making room for God in every area of our life. But the true challenge is that will I accept sin in my life? Am I just going to let it happen? Am I just going to let it be and say I'm just going to chalk it up to old human nature? That's not the God way, man. Because what, what ends up being the problem? As we saw back in Luke chapter 11, we may get rid of one sin, but if we don't have God room with us, if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us through the waters of baptism, through faith, if we don't have that, what happens? Those demons, they come back, and they come back even stronger than they were before. And you may have seen this even in your life, where you overcame something. You overcame smoking, or you overcame drugs, or you overcame fits of rage. You overcame filling the blank. But then a month, six months, a year later, it came, it came back with a vengeance. It came back in a vengeance because we thought we just needed to get rid of that vice. And we forgot we needed to replace the vice with something that God has. Bless you. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19, look at this scripture. Look at this passage. As Paul was writing to the, the, the church at Ephesus, and I love Paul because Paul always reminded the people that he was talking to about what they have in Christ, about what they have in God. He didn't want them to be stuck in the past of when they was in captivity. He wanted to remind them of what they have to move forward in. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19 through 21, Paul writes to the church, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensualities so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. Is he talking about uh, the Gentiles at that point in time? But in verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus. Paul reminded them is that the greed, that the sensuality, all these different things that don't characterize God. That's not the life that you've been called to. And I'm very certain that everybody that's here right now, you know that God is calling you towards something. You may not be. You may not know exactly what it is, but you know, if you're here right now, if you're here listening to God's word, if you're here spending an hour, hour and a half away from the rest of the world so that you can hear God's word, that he's calling you to something. And it's, he's calling to you his purpose. And don't let the world tell you that, hey, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just showing up because I know it's the right thing to do to be at a church service on a Sunday, even if it's afternoon. 
God has called us to something much more. God has called us to a life of Christ. God has called us to be in the truth, about the truth, and live in the truth. But we got to make room for it. Amen. And I'm looking forward to this series. Because we're going to learn how to take advantage of an awesome God. And wherever we're at in our walk with God, we're going to learn to be able to take it, take it further. Be able to take our relationship with God to another place. But why not make these changes? Why not start today? As we think about the different vices, as you think about trying to overcome impurity so I can have a pure life, if I can overcome greed so I can be a given person, if I can overcome being a liar or a deceitful person and start speaking the truth, why can't we start that today? Why can't we start that before we even leave? Because we're going to have an opportunity here in a little bit before we take communion. We're going to have an opportunity to truly reflect on life. To reflect on, do, am I really making room for Jesus and God? Am I, do I have him regulated to a closet right now? Do I got him regulated to a place that I have my shoes? Which for some of you, that's a pretty big place, right? <laughs> some of y'all's closet where your shoes are, that's an awesome place. I, I would love to live there. But when it comes to God, he deserves better than that, amen? He deserves whatever room he wants. God, you pick. You want the master bedroom, amen. You want the living room, you got it. You want the pool, can I get in there with you, right? But making that decision, making that vow to God is that I'm no longer going to accept sin and let it run rampant in my life, but instead I'm going to invite Christ right here with me so that he can walk with me and help me out. And the charge that I have for all of us, let's not make excuses for sin in our life, amen? Let's not excuse sin. Let's, not, let's just not do it. Because it doesn't help anybody to be sinful in their life. It doesn't help your relationships. It don't help you at your job. It don't help you be a, a nice neighbor. Sin, it, it won't help you with anything. But instead, make room for God so that we can live a life where God continually, continuously rubs off on us. Where more and more the things that we say is exactly what God wants us to say. Where the things that we do is exactly what God wants us to do. Where the things that we even pray are the things that God wants us to pray. So I have two practicals. How can we do that as we prepare to make room for God? Number one, what do we need to do? We got to get rid of junk. We got to get rid of the junk. What are the different things? What are the vices? What are the sins, guys? What's the things we just have to flat out get rid of? And just throw it away because I don't want it anymore. Got to get rid of the junk. And if you're thinking to yourself, it's like, man, you know, I don't think I have any junk. Turn to the person to your left. 
Or your person to the right, and they'll let you know what junk to get rid of. Amen? <laughs> but the second thing, bring in the good. Bring in the good. Not just get rid of all the junk. We must bring in the good. And the good is God. God, we must bring God into our life and let him be who he is. And also, you think about roommates, how important it is for us to have godly roommates. A lot of times we slip up because we think we can just room with anybody. But they rub off on us, right? People rub off on us, the good and the bad. So just think about my roommates. And maybe you do have Christian roommates right now, but we're just not acting Christian. We're just not being like God. So now it's time for us to rub everybody to rub elbows with God so that we can truly influence each other for the best. Amen. And I truly believe if we get rid of the junk in our life and really have the motto that when stuff comes and it's junk, I get rid of it. I don't accept it. If we do that and then replace it with the godly things, with the things that bring peace, that bring kindness, that bring the love that we want in any friendship or relationship, if we do that and truly make room for God, we will be able to change this world, change this neighborhood, and more importantly, starting with ourselves, we'll be able to, to change ourselves because God is in control. Amen. Thank you guys again for coming and worshiping with us. Amen. Mm-hmm.